2: Hey, White Sox fans. It's Brett Valentini here. I'm hosting the Southside Sox on the Farm podcast. Uh, my partner, co-host, uh, you might know him from previous Southside Sox on the Farm podcast as Birmingham Barons Preview 2022 or perhaps Canapolis Cannonballers Review 2021. Or sometimes <laughs> it's just Hey, here's what happened in the draft. It's 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 a smattering and a scattershot of topics, of which we haven't covered that much this year because, I don't know, I'm a slacker and I haven't initiated enough uh, on the farm podcast. Apologies to you, Southside Sox, uh, fan base, readership, and listenership. And of course, to expert Darren Black himself, Uh, I imagine he's found reasons to find himself otherwise occupied this season of all seasons. But uh, still in all, uh, apologies for not doing as many of these as we might have planned or anticipated, uh, Darren, but glad you can join me for some team wrap ups now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the minor league season that never ends is still not over, but it's getting there.
2: Yes, uh, uh, you know uh, a glimpse into the inner sanctum here. We are recording this podcast before the minor league season is over. People, Charlotte still, for whatever reason, still playing another eight or nine games, and and we they are going to force us to suffer through that. But we're not going to talk about Charlotte yet, uh, Darren. We are going to start. <laughs> we're going to start on uh, in in two countries. Um. And cover the rookie leagues in this podcast. We're going to review the 2022 uh, DSL team and ACL team. Uh, Even though the accompanying uh, piece with this podcast sort of lumps uh, both in and you're sort of addressing all rookie league players as just rookie league players. uh, I'm going to at least attempt to divide them a bit and we'll start um, in the lowest, lowest, lowest level where... I don't know, 15 or 16-year-olds play sometimes or at least 17-year-olds in the DSL. uh, Let me give my dumb little review to begin. Let's see. Um, As uh, written, oh gosh, in August, uh, when the leagues wrapped up, uh, I pointed out in the minor league update for that night, White Sox still only one of 10 teams in the major leagues that just field one team in the the, uh, Dominican League. Of course, they don't really field a very good team in the Dominican League, so I guess what's the point of having two or three or whatever? I don't know, but uh, yeah, they are one of only ten teams in the majors to have only one team there. DSL Sox finished thirty-two and twenty-six. Started out strong, then got sort of sort of really bad, and then I think they finished with a pretty good kick, whatever that means. Uh, f- uh, fought, finished fifth out of nine teams in the San Pedro division. Uh, overall out of 49 teams. Yes, Darren, there are 49 DSL teams. White Sox have one of them. Uh, DSL finished 18th out of 49, which, you know, all in all, act for them, an extremely good year. I think the first year we did this together, they were, they won like they were, four games or something. I mean, it was one of those years. It was, it was like ungodly bad. Uh, they enjoyed playing at Boca Chica, which I think is where they play at home, uh, 19 and 10 rather than on the road. Run differential minus two. Uh, so actually, whatever the management was, whoever's managing that team, perhaps it's Lloyd Del Jr. Because after all, he did everything for that team. Maybe he managed them this year, uh, did a pretty good job because uh, certainly that seems like about a 500 record with that kind of run differential at best. So uh, well done, DSL. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the DSL team. And hey, Darren. I want to talk first about my brother from another mother It's Lloyd del Cipelli, Jr. I'm convinced he had Prince Spaghetti Wednesdays I'm convinced he is uh, he somehow hes somehow related to me based on that name alone but what what he did do is even though old for the level he did exactly what you'd hope and probably a little bit more which was just dominate the DSL he was an all-star and he just really never let up yeah, uh, I mean, he went from not really being a
0: prospect that you would um, kind of pay attention to, to that was any news out of the DSL, it was always Lloyd El having a three or four hit game, yeah. and now he's a top 30 prospect, along with two other teammates of his in the DSL, um, but the bat played really well there, um, again, what he is, he, that was his age 20 season, and the two other guys we'll talk about, at least on the hitting side, were both 17, so just kind of you know, see where the ages are at. You know, he's going up against teenagers, like, you know, teenagers till 2024, basically. Um, um, But, I mean, he showed some pop, showed good play discipline. Um, Just he's going to have to, wherever he ends up next year, I assume it's going to be the ACL, but since he is a bit older, I could easily see a late edition Canapolis kind of run for him too. Um, he'll just have to prove it when he when he uh, gets to the next level because, uh, you know, some guys behind him in the past have been, you mean Bailey, well, like mm. number one type of guy, did not once he got um, over to the ACL and then Kannapolis, definitely did not do well. So he's going to have to take that next step, and if he does, then we can start to get a little bit more excited about uh, your brother
2: from <laughs> uh, Lloyd Come on, answer my calls, Lloyd L. Jeez, I've sent you a Christmas card. Uh, okay, Darren, let's talk then about a guy who may have uh, arguably may have disappointed a little bit, at least relative to the hype. Uh, started out just as well as Chapelle, uh, maybe even better, uh, really hit the ground running. And then, boy, he really seemed to hit a wall. Uh, I'm not sure if, if there's a story there, if it's just the fact that the Kids, I don't know, seventeen or eighteen years old, and that's Eric Hernandez, uh certainly hyped yeah. signing, and he's a guy who sort of fell off uh, the face of the DSL. um What, what do you what do you seeing him? Obviously, he's not playing his way out of prospect status or anything like that, but he had a little bit of a rough end to the season. And you know, what would you see from him this year?
0: Yeah, he was the second uh million dollar man from the international signing period. First as Colas, and we'll get to him. Uh, he's been on a bunch of teams, so we'll talk about him. And- <laughs> Multiple yeah, podcasts, sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, yeah. What what it came down to is basically just didn't really show a lot of power. Um, and he struck out a bit more than you would like. Uh, a twenty percent K rate, even though he is seventeen, isn't you know fantastic in the DSL. Um, and he didn't have any homers and only eight extra base hits on top of that. So that's kind of where it came from. If he wasn't really getting singles, he was turning it into strikeouts uh, and not really. You know, really advancing beyond that. Uh, It was just kind of a struggle um, after his first, I think it was about three weeks where he was doing really well um, and just couldn't get on base enough. Couldn't get the bat on the ball enough and couldn't drive it. Um, But he he is 17. Yeah. (laughs) So he's got a long way to go. He does.
2: He does. Um, okay, and listen, I uh, buried the lead here because, you know, even though, of course, I got to talk about Brother Giappelli, and, you know, Eric Hernandez certainly was the guy with the hype. The guy who comes out of the DSL this year, rated highest in this system per pipeline and playing the most premium position uh, is Ryan Burroughs. And this is a guy who, I mean, it's not like we didn't know about him at all, but, I mean, we want to talk about impress As much as Giappelli did, uh, Ryan Burroughs uh, really made pe- uh, really opened some eyes this year.
0: Yeah, also age seventeen season though he is four months older, um, and I mean between you know four months at eighteen and four months you know at seventeen and a half basically that is a decent decent difference in uh, baseball age at that point in their careers. But yeah, he's a shortstop. Um, I, I I won't even begin to you know, evaluate, you know, how many errors and how many innings he had in the DSL at shortstop. It's not it's not worth it at age seventeen. Um and then and just wait until he gets uh to the ACL. That's probably where he's gonna go next. Mm-hmm. Um but he, he walked it he, he walked a good amount. Uh his strikeouts uh, were fine at seventeen percent. Um but that will be something to watch when he comes over just because it is a bit higher. El Trapele's was a twelve percent K rate, which is fantastic. Um, But you just kind of assume once they go to the ACL, it'll go up a bit. Uh, His goal is basically to kind of cut down on that. Um, He he does have some sort of power profile. He'll probably will need to gain some weight in there. And he's, you know, he could actually grow a couple more inches as well. Um, So, but he just came out of nowhere. He did well at 17 in the DSL and that's something to note going forward. Um, But again, for any of these guys, they do need to prove it at the next level because, there's been quite a few times where a DSL uh you know happy story just kinda goes down the drain very quickly.
2: And you're still sticking with this notion that uh my my good dear friend Lloydel Chapelli is not going to actually make his debut with Canapolis next year given his age. You do think he's gonna get for someone like him he'd be like tooling around in Arizona just you know for obviously that season starts later so you're sort of forcing a guy to start yeah. the season later because you want to protect him enough to start him in Arizona even if you move him up quickly to Kannapolis, um you know I'm not the expert uh I think you just send the kid to Canapolis, but you think they might take a more um cautious approach obviously it's a no-brainer to do that with uh, the Hernandez's uh, and oh, yeah. well, given that yeah. they're you know they they, you know can't vote can't try whatever <laughs> uh right so but but uh, even chappelle you think they might uh, tend to be a little bit more cautious with yeah uh
0: at the at the very least maybe he stays in arizona a bit longer um you know the, the they start the seasons in later april early may um maybe if you know Jordan Sprinkle looks really, really good in Canapolis to start the year. Um, where I assume that's where he'll start. Right. Um, then, then you kind of move him up and see. But um, I think they got burned by a lot of uh, fast placements for some DSL guys out of the pandemic, since mm. it kind of was just a weird lost year for for some guys, and they kind of put them in spots where they probably weren't ready for. Yeah. Um, I, I. It's kind of. I think it's probably more 60-40 that, that he starts in the ACL uh, than Canapolis right now, uh, but he is going to be, like, next year, 21. Um, like, people play at Canapolis at age 21. It's not, like, out of out – it's not unheard of, but um, their ACL team was full of 21-year-olds as well last year, um, and some of them were just straight out of the DSL. So none of them had as good of seasons, obviously, as Loyal Trapelli did in the uh, – this this year but um i would still probably put it closer to starting in july for the acl
2: now uh as much as rookie league ball and particularly it seems like sometimes with the dsl where they're almost like making up rules as they go along that these are almost glorified <laughs> pickup games uh pitching is even tricky i mean defense is in impossible maybe to evaluate uh, hitting is tricky enough uh, um, um, you know, bat discipline uh, plate patience is, is tricky. All of it's tricky pitching in particular seems like almost impossible really to evaluate that said, Darren, my challenge now to you is uh, are there guys to highlight good or bad coming out of the DSL of just, you know, maybe uh, pl- players to keep an eye on whether repeating DSL next year, or even going up to uh, ACL uh, in 2023.
0: <laughs> Uh, it, it it is tough just because they also just spent more of their money. We just went through three top three guys uh, and they all, all three of them did see a decent amount of of money in the international pool. Um, They seem to spend it more on hitters in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they just, as, as we've talked about in the draft podcast, they drafted a lot of pitchers and signed a lot of undrafted free agent pitchers. Um, so I think that's just kind of their philosophy on this right now, um, to kind of like, hey, well, maybe we can get something out of some DSL guys, but they don't try to invest in it um, much at all. It's just kind of uh, stateside drafting is where they put all their uh, put all their money uh, to pitching. But um, I know if we're kind of trying to find something. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's Gabriel Rodriguez and Frankeli Arias did have good years uh for the DSL. It's just they have to kinda they, they don't pitch a ton. It only goes seven innings some like not, not even sometimes. I think most of the time yeah. it went seven innings. Yeah. So they're not going out there uh deep at all. Um so you just you just kinda gotta wait. They did have good years, both of those guys, uh but um, I I wouldn't expect them to be, uh, you know, guys we talk about at the ACL end of the year review podcast.
2: Yeah, and in in a in a way, and this is something that we'll we'll forecast. I'm not going to let you just run away all all winter like I did last year. We did more podcasts in season last year, but then we just took off until the season started up again. No, I'm going to bug you, you know, maybe monthly. And one of the things I do want to do is, is talk a little bit of how you look at players, how you do this job you do for us, and. Um, if I can sneak preview that, I'm going to guess that you're not really paying attention. If you are even paying attention to pitchers in the ACL, you're definitely not paying attention to pitchers until they're getting to the ACL maybe having some success because the DSL is just such a crapshoot. It's like, well, it's got, I mean, obviously, is, you know, you know, I mean, there, there, are, there are exceptions. Yeah, there but, are exceptions. Yeah. But, uh, you know, basically um, get stateside and then you can maybe start paying a little bit better attention to the pitching side of things from DSL.
0: Yeah, uh, it's just the uh, amount of talent overall in the DSL is just far, you know, less than what it is once you get over to, you know, playing the whole pool of American players that get drafted Mm -hmm. every July and you start going up against guys that have, I mean, in some instances, like if you're playing in the SEC, you're basically been playing professionally for since you're a freshman. Yeah. Um, and if we're talking about the 16, 17-year-olds, not the Norge Veras mm-hmm. um, or the Oscar Colasses who did play, legitimately played professionally. Yeah. Like those guys, 16, 17, they were, not, yeah. they, <laughs> they were not whatsoever. So they're basically learning on the job and how to do all this. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the pitching is even harder, obviously, because you're not you're not sending your top guys down there to kind of coach pitching either at that stage. Yeah. Um, I mean it kind of seems like the Sox brought up people so they could all do it in Birmingham too but <laughs> yeah. I know once you get to the ACL that's where you really start kind of digging deep um and there's no advanced rookie league anymore so you're not mm. getting that feel of a true minor league experience until you get to Canapolis uh, at this yeah. point yeah
2: another uh off season farm podcast preview from Darren Black discussing project birmingham and it is probably going to end up being a point <laughs> counterpoint we've already sneak previewed that in communication directly darren and i have uh you'd think hey brett darren you could only spend like 10, 15 minutes on an entire league and a review. Well, guess what? The White Sox seem to put as much into DSL as we are. We probably put more into it. One team out of 49, give me a break. All right, we're going to take a break. And then we're going to go to the other rookie league stateside in Arizona. Apparently that is the, it's, that's not an Arizona Diamondbacks hat. Uh, Darren is represent, representing A for ACL. That's coming up next. We'll talk about a few guys there before we move on to the, the real leagues and future podcasts uh, hang with us. And for a minute, we'll be back to talk Arizona. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here getting to host our year in review podcast of the minor league system. Of course, Southside Sox on the farm here with my good, good buddy and minor league expert, Darren Black. <laughs> you recognize him. He hasn't been gone that long. We haven't been gone that long. You recognize the guy. Come on. He's wearing Arizona Diamondbacks ads. just the kind of thing you expect Darren to do. Um, we are going to talk now. We're moving to the Arizona Complex League, uh, White Sox. Again, <laughs> White Sox just decided to field their little, their, they stand out a little bit less by just fielding one team in the, uh, Complex League. Uh, but they field just one team. Uh, again, not, not a terribly good one. 26 and 28 this year. Good for third place in the Complex League West. Uh, places them nine out of 18 teams. So really as middling as you can get, which that record indicates close to 500. Uh, bad at home, uh, winning record on the, uh, winning record on the road. Not that any of this matters, but I'm going to start. I looked it up. So I'm going to talk about it. Uh, (laughs) terrible run differential minus 40. So go figure. Um, again, so more managerial magic. did did lay Tapia. Did he manage the team as well as star on it? Because, uh, actually better record than the run differential would indicate as if any of that matters. So Darren, rescue me here and talk to me about, um, Hitting standouts in Arizona, and I already mentioned Lant, who's a guy who comes through the DSL, I believe. Um, and about his season, talk talk to me about him a little bit first.
0: Yeah, um, so he, I mean, he played the most games, and he was one of the many players that came from the DSL and stayed just in the ACL this year. Um, he's also one of the many players that you know did not perform as great uh once he got promoted mm-hmm. uh to the a c l from the d s l uh k strikeouts went up walks pretty much fell um and almost bottomed out but what he did do is showed a bit more power uh showed a bit more um ability to get higher batting average um and um but i mean what he needs to cut down on obviously is the strikeouts to make it worthwhile in the end. Um, but he didn't have as an abysmal season as a lot of guys do at that mm-hmm. stage going from the DSL and the ACL. So that's worth noting. Um, on the other side, it's a guy like Victor Quesada basically, you know, actually probably hit rock bottom in, mm-hmm. in, in his, in his um, stateside debut with a 49 WRC plus and a K rate near 50%, which is yeah. not uh not great, um, yeah. But that's 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 what happens when you come from the DSL um, and go to the go to the ACL. It's a lot better competition, I think. One of the one of the more interesting hitters, uh, maybe the int- interesting hitter until the uh, draft class came in, is mm-hmm. Dario Barrero, mm-hmm. um, a really big lefty bat, probably a first baseman, um, though he does get some time in the outfield, but probably a first baseman. He's six five but somehow he uh, has only or hasn't hit a home run in his professional career yet (laughs) over 51 games at six, five, which is pretty remarkable that he hasn't done that. (laughs) Um, He didn't play a ton in the DSL, but this year in the ACL um, age 18. So right there where, where you want to see a a good, um, a good season. Um, Batting average was great. showed great bet on ball skills Um, could probably walk a bit more, but Honestly, at the, at this point, he probably should swing just to try to get some of that power mm-hmm. um, into the into that six six foot five frame <laughs> um, whenever that comes. Uh, but surprisingly, um, didn't uh, lose a ton um, from the DSL, and that's usually uh, a good sign for especially for someone that young. Um, not sure where he's going to start next year. I assume the I assume Canapolis, um, but hopefully. Hopefully whoever is talking to the guys in Birmingham is talking to Dario Perrero to, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's swing. Uh, uh, you have a little bit more uppercut to that swing uh, yeah. to get some more power.
2: Yeah. Just, just practice your swing in the mirror and then realize, Oh wow. Hey, this is the way I always see the world at 6'5", but I'm 6'5". I should be launching something over over the wall because we could call him just because this is what the White Sox excel at, first base DH is, so we can just call him the new Wilfred Varys. However, we can't really call him that because Wilfred Varys does actually have a little bit of slugging to him, so hopefully that will uh, fill out in 2023 with Dario. because, yeah, very impressive um, season going from, like you said, sort of just scratching the surface uh, in the DSL and then really making an impact uh, in the ACL, um, uh, pitching wise, uh, you know, we saw some guys, uh, why Burns and, uh, even, uh, like Hunter Dollander, you know, sort of like, I mean, guys sort of like breeze through a little bit. I mean, were there, were there, were there arms that stood out to you, given that all these guys are always ticketed somewhere else? It seems like often at least, um, guys who made an impact uh, with the rookie league before maybe they moved on elsewhere or, or pitched all year for them uh i mean
0: whenever i mean pretty much any reliever uh or not reliever uh draft pick that saw uh, a c. l. time you could probably count them um but i don't i'm not in the business of counting or really putting meaningful uh analysis into a a draft picks first mm-hmm. month or like fifteen innings, however many they throw, not a huge sample size might as well just rely on the on the scouting reports at that point. Um, but I know uh, Yohami Nolasco, uh, he had a little bit of, uh, of a, I wouldn't say hype, um, but he did have a little uh, bit more notice early on um, because he did do well in the DSL. Mm-hmm. Um, he just didn't uh, do that well in the ACL this year either. Um, the strikeouts are still pretty low. Um, he doesn't really walk guys, uh, which is, I mean, at 18, not really walking people is, you think that's great. Uh, But he still needs to find that swing and miss pitch, uh, still get that better breaking ball. Um, And this was age 18, so he's still a good age uh, that even if he doesn't do well, um, you can still see him improving on that. Um, He hasn't really pitched a ton in his career, so I could actually see him in the ACL again. Um, though he does kind of come out of the bullpen too, so if they do want to just say hey let 's try to maximize everything you can out of the bullpen um i wouldn't i wouldn't hate that either mm-hmm. um, that the and and that that uh low um it's kinda it, it's kind of difficult to find starting pitchers especially if like with the, with the draft class this year, Noah Schultz didn't appear in the, any ACL games. Right. It's just stayed and instruct. Um, so you're not sending out your very best young pitchers. Uh, at this point, the pitching crop is in uh, Winston-Salem and Birmingham where you're paying more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but some relievers uh, did look pretty good. Emerson Talavera mm-hmm. um, actually did do better in – in the ACL compared to the DSL, but it's still like really few innings. It's just 26. Um, but if, if you're going to point to something, he had a 35% K rate, um, and his walks also improved. Um, so it's still a small sample, but maybe next year when he's with Canapolis um, and getting up to 50, 55 innings out of the bullpen, uh, you'll really see like what kind of pitcher he is. Um, and then I did. I did note Anderson Comas. If people remembered him from the outfield, he's now a pitcher. Um, I assume they're going to keep him around again, even though he didn't do so well. But you're, this is your first year as a pitcher after being an outfielder for your life. So I'm sure they saw something and are uh, going to give him every opportunity uh, to succeed. Um, not sure if that's in the ACL or Canapolis next year. I assume ACL again because that's his first time pitching, but. Um yeah, the ACL is not really it's basically um the DSL uh stateside at this point, um until the draft class comes in uh for five ten games um or none if you're a high school pitcher, um and then you're off to Canapolis, uh with no Great Falls, it's kinda all yeah. being pushed up the ladder.
2: So you can make an argument to further on the point from the first half of this podcast that really when it comes to pitching in particular, you can't necessarily put a ton of stock in what we see in Arizona uh, either. I mean, it certainly is promising when a guy burns through there or just hits the ground running or makes an improvement like Talavera did from the DSL to Arizona say, okay, we got a we got a trajectory here that might really continue on into a ball. Uh, but really there's not a lot. You can't put a ton of stock really into any of the arms because if they're good enough, they're just going to breeze through and they're going to blow through and go to Canapolis. And if they're not, then you automatically are sort of downgrading them like, well, yeah. okay, let's see if they play my play their way into my purview. Otherwise, you know, okay, whatever. They're just guys to throw games. Yeah.
0: And it, it's also just the fact that they, the, again, like the white Sox didn't put it don't put a ton of money in DSL pitching, Um, And when they do, they usually it's like a Norge Vera type and they just kind of don't even pay attention to the ACL um, because that's you're old enough and you've got that professional experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe if they kind of shuffled the cash from the position player side more to the pitching side, uh, there'd be more exciting things to watch Mm -hmm. for. But we're we're not going to see that you know next year either because the yeah. dsl pitcher pitchers this year weren't that great right uh, i assume uh just based off of precedent that um noah schultz will start in Canapolis. uh based off of uh matthew thompson right. and andrew dahlquist those high school draft picks um starting in Canapolis. though i guess they also did pitch in the acl um When they were drafted too, but that was because they had an extra month Mm -hmm. because they moved the draft to July for whatever reason. Um, So it's just kind of it's just kind of where the ACL is at. Um, Kanapolis is kind of where all the rookies go and all the younger guys go that they want to pay attention to. Kind of go at this point. Um, That's kind of how baseball's done it. They kind of made the rookie leagues uh, or made the ACL. At least uh, a bit um, less important. Yeah,
2: I was just going to say, Darren Black has successfully talked throughout this podcast and told you how. Uh, well, unnecessary <laughs> isn't the right word, but certainly how um, how there's a lack of intrigue intrigue attached to rookie leagues that aren't um, uh, high rookie. Uh, and it makes it a challenge uh, to cover, to write about, to analyze. And I appreciate you doing that, Darren, because uh, <laughs> you do more of it than any of us. So I appreciate that. And then you get a Yahoo like me who sees like a guy like Lloydell or or Hunter Dallander and just, you know, go bongers. Oh my gosh, they're, you know, what a great run. And, you know, you're around to say like, well, okay, yes. And no, it's still sort of glorified pickup, even though it's very high, it's professional, you know, I mean, let's not downgrade it too much, but they're playing in 112 degrees in Arizona and they're playing at 10:30 in the morning at the DSL for like five, seven inning games. Uh, so yeah, it, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's not quite, it's not, it's not formalized, it's not major league level. It's also not, you, you know, I guess it's not pickup, but boy, it is sort of like a notch or two above like summer league ball or wood bat <laughs> leagues or whatever. So uh yeah, it's weird. It's weird to cover, but I appreciate you uh, chatting through at least some of the highlight guys and maybe a couple of low light guys from the rookie leagues. Um, this is a continuing series, not really sure how we're going to run it quite yet. It might be just a whole like, uh, minor league review week, or I don't know, depending on how the White Sox who are waiting to play right now, as we are recording. Um, or maybe have just gotten started. Uh, depending on how they do against Cleveland, who knows? We may rush it just to take your minds off of things yeah, like the mind. White Sox failing uh, in 2022. But who knows? Uh, we'll see when this runs. But uh, next we will be moving on, uh, Darren and I, to Kanopolis, and we'll keep on moving up the ladder. Hang with us. We we a, as we did last year, we we're going to have just a barrage of South Side Sox on the farm podcast for you wrapping up Uh, each season. Kanapolis is next, but Darren, thank you for spending some time and lending some expertise on the rookie leagues. Yeah. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We'll do it again in about 365 days. Uh, Darren. Thanks. uh, Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, Without you being interested in this stuff, we wouldn't be doing it. Um, so think about if you really need to be that interested in next year, because you could just ease it up for all of us. We won't have to talk about the rig leagues. No, nope, that's not going to happen. It is part of the White Sox <laughs> system. And let's face it. They got like what five teams. They got like no teams. So we got to talk about somebody. Um, uh, you know, we're not going to talk about them. Um, I don't know. The boomers or the, I don't know, whatever those, all those, all those other teams are. We're not going to talk about them. We got to talk about the guys who are in the White Sox system because they're fewer and fewer. And occasionally a few of them, have a stratosphere climb um, up the system. You know, Jose Rodriguez, Popeye was in the ACL just not that long ago. So mm-hmm. anyhow... Uh, I'll stop trying to fill out this, um, useless rookie league, uh, podcast. Thank you for listening. It was very important for all of you to be listening to this. You'll take this information and it will help you in your evaluation of the 2023 <laughs> Chicago White Sox system. So for a laughing there, oh, yeah. black, we will be uh, talking again next with you about Canapolis. Hang with us because that's coming, boy, as soon as tomorrow.